welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 252, Our Creativity and Lymphatic Movement Linked, an interview with Jackie McMillan, coming to you on Thursday, June 10th, 2021. So I am very happy to say my website is finally working. Yay! Throw confetti, eat ice cream. <laughs> uh, it's still the old version. We haven't gotten it switched over to, to a new version yet, but at least some things that you might've been looking for are, are finally working in a way that they haven't been working for months and months. So sorry about that, but yay for it working now. So if you go to Right Now Workshop, dot com or rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach, you should be able to find all the information that I've been talking about for the last several months. So you can get and download your free self-publisher book checklist, which will give you uh, several pages of a fill-inable uh, PDF for all the things that you need to gather information before you actually go and upload your book onto Amazon and other sites. So that will be very useful to you if you haven't done that yet, or if you've done self-publishing once or twice, and it's always a pain in the butt because you always forget all the things that you're supposed to have in order to fill out um, all the tabs and all of the pages on the websites um, correctly. This will put all of your information in one place and then you won't have to look it up again. So yay. So that is a free download on the website. You can also find more information about the one-on-one -on -one writing coach uh, programs that I do. Um, and when I say programs with an S, it's really more about what do you need? And then we kind of fit it to you. So how often do you want to meet? How often do you want to um, go over your, the pages that you've written and see what we can do to um, find improvements and ways to make your story or your book, your nonfiction book, um, more powerful, more transformative for the reader. Um, so that information is on the forward slash writing coach page. And I will keep on updating it as I add more bits and pieces of, of programming and that sort of thing. So uh, keep an eye out. And even when we upgrade the website, yay, <laughs> uh, sometime in the future here, um, the, um, what am I trying to say? URL, the URL will still be the same. So right now workshop.com yay, please go sign up, get some free stuff, and then you'll get on my newsletter so that you can hear more about all the other things that is uh, that I'm doing, that is going on in the writing world that I tell you about, information that I'm sharing. Um, yeah, everything. So yay. Okay. So uh, that is one thing that is um, finally working, even though it's, it's still not, you know, the pretty and new version that I want it to be. The other thing that we're still working on and we're getting a little bit caught up, but we're still a little bit behind is that you still can get show notes, uh, transcripts on the show notes page, which is podcast.rightnowworkshop.com forward slash episodes, and then find the episode that you're looking for. Um, we're looking at a new way of uploading that transcript. So, um, yeah, working on it. We will get caught up. We're just still a little bit behind because of a family emergency that we had to get some things taken care of. So I think those are all the announcements that you need to know. Definitely, this is going to be an incredibly interesting and hopefully valuable episode for you. First of all, if you um, consider yourself uh, perfectly healthy in every way, I still think that you're going to learn some things that um, you may not have known, or at least be reminded of some things that maybe you're not doing that will help you to use your health to improve your creativity. Yay! Yay for that. But also, if you're like me and you're like, well, I consider myself mostly healthy. And I know that I don't do everything that I should do for myself to make my body function at its highest optimal rate and therefore help my mind to function at its highest optimal rate. Um, I learned a lot of new information. So I very much hope that this is going to be a helpful episode for you as well. I will pretty much stop talking now and introduce you to Jackie. Today's guest is Jackie McMillan. 
Starting at age 11, autistic biohacker Jackie McMillan has been steadily and remarkably improving her own and hundreds of others' autistic lives with her unique blend of collective experiences of autism and relevant health and social research. She has taken her own difficult journey and turned it into a beacon of hope in the sea of misinformation about autism. Direct, thorough, well-referenced, and spellbinding, Jackie interweaves stories and metaphors with tips and statistics about autism into a transformational carpet ride. Check your assumptions at the door. Prepare to see life from angles that demand and motivate positive change. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much, Kitty. It's so good to have you here. I'm I'm really delighted you asked. It's been fun doing the brainstorm and figuring out you know, does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you and I, we met in our business coaching program through Miracy. And um, through the course of the program, you know, we're on these uh, twice a week calls where it's anywhere from 50 to 200 people. But somehow or another, we kept connecting in these little breakout rooms on Zoom. And and then you said something about creativity. And of course, my ears perked up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited. So I I don't know where to start. Maybe a little bit more about you and why this is a topic of interest to you. Uh, Well, let's let's start with probably an experience most people have had. Like chances are sometime in your life you've been in a building that didn't have really good airflow, like maybe a university library or something. And you're sitting there and you're trying to think and it's like, it's like, you know, your battery power is going down and, and you can do less and less and less and you can't, you can't, you can't function. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I've had enough. You get up, you pack up your gear, you head out the door, you hit the fresh air and it's like lights are back on again. Yeah. What happened there? Well, there's this really interesting link between movement and the flow of the lymph. And it's this system that's, you know, it's got a lot of sort of pathways just under your skin. But when the lymph isn't flowing properly, and when you're in an environment that doesn't have enough oxygen or other things you need, your cells start to starve. And so your systems start to, and your creativity completely disappears. But when you get up, you get out in fresh air, you move, your lymph has no pump. Like your heart moves your blood all over the body, but your lymphatic system, that fluid doesn't flow if you're not moving. Ah. And so there's a, there are particular types of movement that are really, really helpful for getting lymph moving and getting that creativity back up again. Because creativity is one of the most demanding uh, of nutrients and energy of any of the things that we do with our brain. And so you've really got to get that flow going, the lymphatic flow going to allow the creative flow to happen. Right. You know, that makes sense on several levels. I know when I was a little kid, we would go to this um, little city library that was, you know, smaller than most people's houses, I think. Um, And it didn't have air conditioning. And so in the summer, all the windows were open. I could spend all day in that library. And then I went to a big fancy university, you know, with a library bigger than any building I'd ever seen in my life. And I would fall fast asleep, I think, you know, within an hour. I was just like, I love libraries. Why do I fall asleep in this one? It never, I, I mean, I'm 53. It never occurred to me until you told me this uh, like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. When you start putting uh, physiology together with function, yeah. you start getting these deeper insights into why do things work the way they're working and how can I tweak my environment so that I can have optimal function. And that's, yeah. you know, that's really what my life is about is that whole biohacking of autism challenges so that families who are dealing with really high inflammation to the degree that some of their kids have inflamed brains can go, oh, this is where inflammation is coming from. This is how we can get it down. This is how we can optimize our function for the whole family, not just for the autistic child. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's, that's gotta be a lot of, um, that's a lot of different pieces of information 
that people would be trying to pull together. I mean, just things like, is there enough good oxygen and airflow in my house? And, and then you add in nutrition. I'm like, okay, well now we're talking about two totally different topics within my mind. And when we yeah. add in creativity, I'm like, okay, wow, this is like every single topic that I've ever learned about coming together. <laughs> well, when you, when you look at it, it's, it's all lifestyle factors. Like if you look at dementia and learning and developmental disabilities, Everything that has the biggest impact is stuff that you can do in your home, in your classroom, in your clinic, in your recreational facility. It's not stuff that requires a health professional. Wow. And the thing is that, you know, once you've made those tweaks to your environment, so you're, you're actually living back within optimal ranges of tolerance for human health. Yeah. And there are kind of 12 Uber categories of where you need to go. Okay. What tweaks do I need to get this space really working for me? Yeah. Um, you know, once you've once you've done that, then whatever you're left with, that's what you need medical support with. Ah, right. Okay. Well, listen. Um, since you are the, the expert today, and I barely uh, like I'm following you, but like I'm not really sure that I know what are the right questions to ask. Then I'm just gonna sort of um, uh, let you go, and I'll ask questions along the way if I don't understand. Um, so where would you like to start as we talk about creativity? Do you want to start with nutrition or, or uh, environmental factors or the um, lymph system? I didn't know anything about how the lymph system was connected until you started telling me a little bit about it. All right. Well, why don't I, why don't I just explain a little bit about the lymphatic system and then talk about movement? Because that's, that's one of your best ways to get lymph flowing. And the kinds of movement that get it flowing tend to be really fun. Oh. And that also gets your creativity flowing as well. So, um, you know, most of you've had a blister at some point in your life. And, and when that blister raises up, inside is something we call pus. And, you know, you may have had the, the you know, as a kid trying to comfort yourself and you're like, whoa, that's really salty. The fluids in our body are roughly equivalent to seawater. If you look at the ratio of minerals in seawater and the ratio of minerals in all of our body fluids, neck and neck, the only difference is that our body fluids have a whole bunch of life components in them as well. Okay. So you've got this seawater flowing all through your body, like it's the amniotic fluid that surrounds the, the fetus in, when you're, you're gestating. And, and this fluid um, doesn't like it likes to move the way water does. It likes waves. Oh. It likes flow. It likes bounce. Okay. You know, think of a water balloon, you know, if you're 70% water, how much can you feel like, how much can you make your upper arm feel like a water balloon? Okay. How much I can, can you think? Chances are, you know, most people who sit and write a lot have some experience with swollen legs, swollen feet. If you put your legs and feet up in the air and you find the water balloon in your calves, that's going to drain out really quickly because what you're doing is you're taking that movement and you're making it easy using gravity for that to flow down. So any rock, any swing, any bounce. So if you like swing dance, perfect. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of, one of, we know from the research that one of the most effective ways of getting that lymph really moving is the gravity anti-gravity thing that you get when you're bouncing so okay. a trampoline or a rebounder a therapy ball you just sit there and you boing 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 and and you know you don't even have to do it for very long so if you wanted to you could actually even combine it with pomodoro ah. and pomodoro you know 15 to 20 minutes of intense focus get your task done and then five to ten minutes of complete break like something that is so different that doesn't require any brain at all. That's just, you know, play. Yeah. And, and so this can be part of the play you work into your writing day so that you get your best, best days happening. Yeah. So, you know, movement is a really big, really big part of lymphatic flow, but then, then you get into the whole piece of, you know, is the lymph clearing the way it's supposed to? So there are lymph nodes all over our body. You know, there's some small ones in the forehead and the sinuses, but the big ones are, you know, under the neck and jaw. Cause so, you know, when doctors are feeling or your lymph swollen and, and down the sides of the neck. And then, you know, if you look at the collarbone, there's this 
just above the collarbone, there's a place that we carry a lot of tension. And that tends to kind of gum up the drainage of the brain lymph overnight. Because your brain, every time you go into really deep sleep, your brain does this rinse cycle thing. It kind of goes, okay, let's pick up all the loose garbage and flush it out. And your brain actually shrinks overnight because it loses so much fluid. Wow. (laughs) And it doesn't, you know, it's no harm to your brain. It's all good. But the thing is that if any of this is clogged up, things aren't draining properly. That's when you get like puffiness under the eyes. That's when you get stuffiness in the sinuses. You wake up puffy and stuffy and you're like, you know, and brain foggy. Yeah. That's your lymph not draining properly. Ah. So there are particular massage methods you can find on YouTube for just kind of opening up that lymph before you go to sleep. And there are also like you can take, there are a couple of essential oils that'll help to open it up as well. And there, there are a bunch of professionals who walk you through how to do that. And I do it for myself as a biohacker, but I'm not going to tell you, you're going to have to go look it up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's for the brain lymph, but then the body lymph, you know, you've got inside of the elbow, inside of the wrist, under your arm, like there's, there's right in front of the underarm, you know, that hollow just in front of your shoulder. Yeah. That's another spot to, to kind of massage, to get the lymph flowing. So if you find that you've got a lot of cellulite in your arms or there's fluid buildup in your hands on a hot day, these are places to kind of rub and just get that lymph flowing through the nodes again. And there's another one that's kind of deep. If you take your third finger and just, just wrap it around that fold and there's a sore spot up in there. That sore spot, just kind of pull it towards the heart. Okay. Pull it towards the heart. Okay, so those are the upper body ones. Then there's one that's just above your navel. So if you put your hand on your belly, Uh your your flat palm uh, on your belly, and you just kind of push in and push up a little bit. So you're encouraging it towards the heart. So you're putting your hand like above your belly button? Putting your hand above your belly button, just pressing in a little and then lifting. Press in and lift up. Press in and lift up a little. And then, okay, so the next ones are actually at the inguinal crease. Now, that's a, that's a, you know, anatomy and physiology term. That's basically the line, the fold line where your thigh and your torso come together. Okay. And right along that fold line, if you put your baby finger into that crease, just sitting there, Uh what you want to do is sort of pull up and pull out. So you're pulling out to the sides a little and pulling up a little. Okay. So you just. You know, sitting there and working that a little bit. And then behind the knees, you know how it gets all poofy behind the knees sometimes? That's because it's not flowing right back there. So you can put your fingers in behind your knees and kind of sink in and then move towards the the thighs. Sink in and move towards the thighs. And then on on either side of your ankle bone, on your foot. So on your foot, the back of the ankle, between the back of the ankle and the Achilles tendon, that often gets all puffed up. There are some, there are some lymph nodes in there that might not be moving properly as well. So again, you just kind of sink in a little and then scoop up, sink in a little and then scoop up. Okay. And then reflexology. If you're looking, um, you know, on your feet, you've kind of got those ridges where the bones are. And then between where the bones are, you've got, you've got those little sink in places on the, right. on the top of your feet and the back of your hand. Working that helps to open up lymphatic flow as well. So you can just, you can lift a foot up. You can just, you know, that could be one of your Pomodoro. Just work your fingers up the spaces between the bones in the, in the metatarsals and the metacarpals. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's probably got it for for movement and and uh, that's probably got it for for movement and massage to just kind of get that stuff opened up. Um, the other thing to be aware of is that your lymph drains into your blood and your blood gets cleaned by your liver and kidneys. And if the liver isn't working properly, that's when you start to get you know a lot of swelling and poofiness. So I'm, I would encourage you, if you've got a lot of swelling and poofiness and your creativity is going down and your brain fog's going up, yeah. you know, get, go, get, go get natural health support and get that liver cleaned up because 
you know, your liver functioning optimally is one of the major factors in aging well as well. So okay, you know, we all we all want to keep our brain. None of us want to lose our minds, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I just saw an article the other day um, talking, uh, you know, interviewing, you, you see these a couple of times a year, interviewing uh, people who are 100 plus years old. And, you, you know, the closer I get, <laughs> the more I'm like, what, you know, and the articles are always, what's your secret? But I wonder how many are little things that a person Person would never think to mention in an interview because it's just been part of the natural way that they live their life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the interesting part. I mean, when you, when you look at the blue zones, which is where these people are living 100, 120 years old, it's like um, the thing that a lot of people miss is something that Dr. Dean Ornish, who's one of the leaders in turning around heart disease, um, really focused on as well is that you know, he was getting in the in the eighties, in the nineties. The he was getting these amazing results, turning heart disease around, and all of these other um, clinics were trying to repeat his program, but they were leaving out what he considered the most important part. Interesting. And what he did was everyone who had heart challenges. He's like, your heart is about love, and so we're going to have these group mentoring sessions where we're helping people expand the quality and the quantity of relationships in their lives. And that was the key. And when you look at the blue zones, like that's the key. And that is what our, you know, corporate North American, you know, European extraction, years of conquest and oppression, you know, wounded ideation, all of this stuff. This is what, like, we're, we're taught to isolate and isolate and isolate and isolate. And we're not given the tools to have these really flourishing uh, relationships around us. Right. And that's, uh, that's a really big key in health and aging well. When you've got that, you've got it. You've got I, it. You know, I've heard lots of things like... Um, uh, if there's a blood drive after church in the church parking lot, you know, you hear the, um, the nursing staff there say, you guys always had the lowest blood pressure of just like, you know, your average Monday through Friday, you know, at a corporate parking lot. Um, and, and so I know that there are things about, uh, good relationships and, um, you know, feeling like you're part of a uh, community and you're loved by people and you love people. Like I knew that it affected our health a little bit, but it never occurred to me. It could actually cause a positive effect to heart disease. Dr. Dean Ornish actually wrote a book about it called Love and Survival. When you have a good quality and quantity of relationships in your lives for you, because we're all different. Yeah. It is four times as protective against getting ill in the first place. And it is four times as restorative of health if you do get sick as all other health interventions put together. Wow. So you put, you put food, you put beverages, you put, you know, what you're breathing, what you're wearing, what your skin touches, you put all the other 11 factors, because there are 12 lifestyle factors. If you put all of the others, 11 ones in this one big pile, yeah. it's outweighed four times by the quality and quantity of relationship in your life. Wow. Yeah. I have got to read this book. It's called Love and Survival. Love and Survival. Yeah. Wow. That is so interesting. It's such a cool book. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And so like, I'm interested as a human, but you know, my little writer antenna are going, oh my gosh, I have to read this book and figure out how can I have like cooler, more interesting interactions between my characters. <laughs> oh. That's really fun. <laughs> So, awesome. I mean, the next biggest factor after that is actually food. Okay. And so I've really got to talk about food and I'm going to include beverages in there because they're things that we consume. But the main thing to remember is that um, inflammation and inflammatory disease and inflammatory problems like this swelling and this lack of creativity and brain fog that we're getting more and more haunted by, they weren't a factor in our grandparents and great-grandparents time and before then. And they aren't a factor still in the blue zones and other places where, where people are not as involved in a toxic lifestyle as we are. Yeah. And the major entry points for toxins into our bodies are through the skin, you know, 
what shampoo do you use? Because when you have to turn on the hot water, that really hot water and detergent let it, let any toxins in contact with your skin directly into your skin. Right. <laughs> like like it goes straight into your lymph, gets carried throughout your body into your brain. So you know through the skin and through the mouth and through the airways, what are you taking in that's toxic? Like how many people are surrounded by furniture that is particle board or press board that's giving off urea formaldehyde glue for the life of the product? How many people are sitting on chairs that they don't have wool or cotton or horse hair the way they used to? Instead, you've got foam. It's off-gassing for the entire lifetime of the product. You know, uh, how many people are wearing plastic clothes? Nylon, polyester, you know, urethane, or what is it? What's that elastane stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and and you know, not only are they taking that in through the skin, because the more you warm plastic, the more volatile the compounds are in it. They're breathing in plastic fumes all day. <laughs> so you know, thinking about these things, okay, what, what, what are the implications? And the other piece, um, you know, just to talk about clothing, a lot of women wear really tight bras, mm -hmm. and they don't associate that with the, the cellulite that builds up in the underarms and the arms and all of that, if your lymph can't clear and it's right under the skin, it's going to get stuck. Right. And so you've got to wear clothing that isn't constrictive. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you can't wear something that, you know, holds your chest up and doesn't let things droop too far. <laughs> yeah. You can do that with a, a decent cotton shirt or decent cotton undershirt that's just cut and shaped for your shape. Right. And it doesn't have to be binding in any way. It doesn't have to be cutting off your lymphatic circulation or your blood flow. Right. Wow. But, you know, back to food, we're living in a really toxic time. You know, we've been... We've been using a lot of products on our soils that mean that the plants usually have a collaborative relationship with the microbes in the soil. They don't, they don't have that community around them anymore. They're all by themselves because the, you know, the microbes are dead, except for fungi, which aren't particularly good for anyone. So a lot of the products we're using on soil, fungi is the only thing that can survive. So we're seeing fungal infections go way up because that's what can live in the kind of chemical terrorism we're doing in our agricultural system. Wow. So if you want to, if you want to get your inflammation down, you've got to eat unprocessed food and you've got to eat stuff that's from wild areas or from biodynamic farms or from organic farms. Okay. And, you know, permaculture is another thing to look at because like biodynamic growing, permaculture and biodynamic growing are both really good at rebuilding soil microbial health. And that's what allows the plants grown on that territory to be optimally nourished. And then they're carrying those probiotics on the surface of their skin. Don't wash them in chlorinated water. You know, give them a quick rinse with filtered water. And I'm not talking Brita filter. I'm talking a good filter, like a, a Berkey or something that takes all the chlorine and fluoride out because chlorine kills everybody. And that means that you get have this clear field for the bad guys to reestablish because they tend to be the ones that reestablish really quickly. And fluoride selectively kills off the good guys and leaves the bad guys. So anytime you're having treated water, you got a problem. You know? right. And, you know, again, we're looking at, think about breathing in and exhaling. When we exhale, we actually exhale up to 70% of the toxins that our body creates just from normal metabolism. Like 70% comes out through the airways. NASA has some fascinating research on this, but right. essentially... What you've got to do is look at, okay, what's the what are the major parts of that? And actually the largest portion is carbon dioxide. So we're, we're pumping out a lot of carbon dioxide into the space around us. And this has consequences. If we decide that we're going to take more carbon dioxide in, well, you know, what is soft drink bubble from, <laughs> you know, what is soda water bubble from? What are beer bubbles? You know, right. you look at these things and you're like, 
I'm taking in a lot of waste products here and it's the major waste product my body's trying to get rid of. And I'm just loading it in with my beverages. Right. Is there damage? Because, you know, carbon dioxide is a toxin in the body. So um, there are all kinds of things that we do on a daily basis that aren't monitored, that aren't part of our public understanding. But if you go fishing, you know, impact of soft drinks on health. If you put that into your search engine and you go looking, you're going to find some really juicy information and it's going to make you go, Hmm, okay, special occasions only, or hmm, no, cold turkey, you know? (laughs) So I have a question for you. Every time I move to a country outside the United States where I was born and raised, um, I'll I'll meet all these different um, friends and stuff who drink um, mineral water or um, like the bottled water in the grocery store. (laughs) It took a while for John and I to realize that at least here, it would appear to us, and keeping in mind, we can't uh, read or speak the language very well, but I think that every single bottled water product in the Swedish grocery store is mineral water. So are whatever is this natural bubbles, is that the same kind of, uh, of carbon? So it's the same kind of carbon, but the thing about mineral water, especially if it's from a natural spring, not artificially carbonated. So do your research, ask through your friends, find stuff that's naturally carbonated in the earth. Mineral waters tend to be very, very high, like spa baths, you know, used to be a huge thing in Roman times and before and after. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence behind that, that particular minerals soaking in those minerals, you take them in through the skin and they're really beneficial for health. So the thing about mineral water if it's a natural mineral water, you are getting a lot of things that help your body compensate for the damage of the carbon dioxide. So if you're going to take bubbles in, that's probably your best way. Okay. (laughs) But don't mix it with alcohol. Like if you're going to have alcohol, just have alcohol straight. Okay. Because mixing the bubbles with the alcohol, you get this really nasty synergistic negative effect. Oh, and maybe that um, explains the effects that some people would have um, after, say, a beer drink rather than maybe a wine drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's fascinating. It's yeah. really fascinating when you start to get into applied biochemistry, like how do our bodies work and what makes them work best? It's yeah. just like, whoa, <laughs> it's a candy store. Yeah. Yeah. For, for you know functioning, functioning at your best. Yeah. Yeah. Now you had said something to me, I think it was around 10 days ago, something like that. Cause I've been trying to, um, keep track in my head. I, I, I actually did not realize that there would be such a big and fast effect, or I probably would have been keeping track in a diary. So around 10 days ago or something, you said something to me about, well, just add a quarter cup of flax seeds to your diet every day. And it'll probably really help the brain fog that you're experiencing. And I, I, this is, um, what do you call it? Anecdotal evidence. But let me just say, I'm pretty sure it was less than 24 hours before I noticed a noticeable, therefore difference. And I've been eating, and honestly, I love flax seeds. I just um, like eat them. I put a quarter <laughs> cup in a bowl and then I eat them with a spoon because I think they taste delicious. <laughs> oh, I'm um, delighted. I'm delighted. <laughs> So, so I've been eating a quarter cup of flax seeds every day for about 10 days. And even on the days when I thought that I should feel really horrible, like a few days ago, there was a fire in a built in a business downstairs. Of course, we sleep with all of our windows open. So all the smoke came into our apartment and I, I spent a day just trying to figure out how to get the smoke out of our apartment. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I hadn't gotten much sleep because the fire started in the middle of the night. Um, our apartment was, of course, filled with toxins. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't leave most of the windows open because they were facing the side where the fire was. So yeah. then I had a fan in front of the window that was furthest from the fire trying to blow fresh air in. And I thought this is going to be the world's worst possible day. I mean, between what I'm breathing and and not getting much sleep and the very fact of this kind of bad thing happening, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. 
I didn't need a nap. I wasn't tired. I kept on going to the end of my normal work day, which is usually around eight o'clock at night, just because of um, time zone differences and the clients that I work with. And I was just kind of like, I don't understand what just happened. Like normally I would be a wreck for like at least a day. And, and I'm like, the only thing I've changed is adding this quarter cup of flax seeds to my diet. I wonder if that had an effect. Yes, absolutely. Like what it what it does is it starts to mop up the excess um, excess waste product in your body. It's really good at binding to hormones that aren't that your liver hasn't had time to deal with and binding to um, you know metabolic waste products and it, it does this little bind thing and then it carries it out through your digestive tract and and there you are you're much more functional and it's little things like that that just make such a huge difference on yeah. your day-to-day how do I feel how am I functioning yeah so um, this is this is so interesting. I want to talk to you forever, but I want to make sure that we keep um, coming back around to creativity and writing and stuff. So um, I, in my mind, again, anecdotal evidence suggests that um, that the the sorry, I'm stuttering because I'm like, where do I start? The flax seeds in my diet has obviously changed um, compared to you know what I was eating and what I you know, have been doing to my body because I really like snack foods. And, you know, like you said, I like uh, the alcoholic cider, which has lots of bubbles in it. So I I don't think that I really knew about the, um, about carbon dioxide in drinks as, as being, I always thought of it as being sugar. It's the sugar that's harmful, but I didn't know there was more things anyway. um, So I don't know that I have definitely been able to see myself being more creative, but my brain is obviously working better. Um, but you were also talking about movement. So, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure what the question is, except for I want to keep coming back to creativity, like things that we can do for ourselves. Yeah. So, so, um, I mean, there are, there are a number of really good blogs out there, like how to feed a brain that are really about what does your brain really need in order to function optimally? And the thing about flax seeds is they're really high in essential fatty acids. Uh-huh. Now they're high in the plant form. So the more inflamed your body gets, the harder it is for your body to convert the plant form of essential fatty acids to the animal form your body actually needs. Uh-huh. So this is something that vegetarians who get inflamed really struggle with because it's, it's, it's hard. The more inflamed you are, the harder it is to get the essential fatty acids your body actually needs. But essential fatty acids calm inflammation down and they provide, um, it provides the substance that is, you know, kind of tops for brain repair and, and every cell in your body has this double layer of fat around the cell. It's the skin, the skin of the cell, the membrane. And, and the, if you've got enough essential fatty acids in your body, the, the skin is repaired and it's able to make its transport mechanisms work so that you, you know, you can get the trash out and you can get the food in. Right. Well, what happens is if you don't get enough essential fatty acids in your body, you get this trash building up inside every cell and then trash building up in the lymphatic fluid and, and not enough flow and you start to see your creativity and function go and as soon as you can kind of reestablish the flow and start getting the right nutrients in there to feed your lymphatic system and feed your brain the lymph is really good at delivering stuff you know we don't have blood flow into every brain every cell in the body what we have is blood flow to the fluids that are around every cell the lymph and within every cell, the lymph and the blood flow is just kind of making sure it's, you know, gathering the waste and taking them away through the, the lymph nodes. So, so you got to have all these systems working well. And this is, this is why there's 12 factors you have to look at as, you know, what are the lifestyle factors that you've got to really, really pay attention to if you want this incredible vehicle, this temple you've been given for a lifetime. If you want it to work the way it's designed to work, you got to give it what it needs to keep itself healthy because it's designed to heal. It's just, you know, a lot of what it's getting is actually 
is actually crushing it down. Right. Right. Wow. This is so interesting. I love this. <laughs> uh, what, what else should I ask you? Like, how do I, all right, let me look at, so you gave me some great questions, which is really helpful to me because I was like, I'm not sure how to, how to, um, continue the conversation. So, um, we've talked about, uh, how to get your lymph un unstuck and yep. a little bit about drainage systems and why they matter to creativity. And we've talked about some movements that are particularly helpful to lymph, which will, you know, I think that I still don't fully understand how lymph and creativity are so connected. Can you help me with this a little bit? I, I, I feel like I'm a smart person. Why don't I fully understand this? Okay. So there's a, there's a bunch of mechanisms involved. First, the more stressed you get, the less well the two halves of your brain communicate. Okay. And the two halves of your brain to, to reach the most creative states need to be communicating optimally. So the more stressed you are, the less creativity you have. The more stressed you are, you, the more tension you tend to be carrying in your body and the less lymphatic flow that you've got going on. Oh. And the more your brain starts to starve because it's not getting the delivery of nutrients. So the stress focuses blood flow on arms and legs and heart and, and, you know, can that, can I run when I need to? Yeah. So it, it, it's really focused on, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, the four main stress responses. But as soon as you start doing things that soften you up and relax you and get the flow going and it lets the blood flow feed the lymphatic flow. The lymphatic flow starts to get the sides of the brain working together again. And the last place in your brain to get fluid flow is this frontal cortex. Right. The frontal cortex is kind of the last part of our brain to have evolved. And so it's kind of an add-on for, you know, it's, and it's the part that's, that's the executive, the decision maker, the one who, who can prioritize and sequence and, you know how some days it's really easy to go, okay, you know, I want to do this, 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 this. And, you know, all of a sudden it's organized and you haven't even written anything down. It's all in your brain. And then you got to do this download to paper. You probably do that with books. Yeah. That's when your frontal cortex and in particular, the prefrontal cortex, that's right. You know, when people talk about the third eye, uh, energetically, uh. chakra wise, the, the front like you're, you're looking at, a, a, it's a, actually a vortex that goes from the middle of your forehead to the furthest out sticking point in your, in your back of your head. Uh -huh. But that, that third eye vortex, the part of it that's right at the front of your forehead, that's the prefrontal cortex, like okay. just behind the skull there. So anything that you do to loosen up and get that lymphatic fluid flowing is also going to allow the brain to talk to itself better and get more blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. Now my tongue is getting yeah. tangled up. <laughs> prefrontal cortex. And, and what that means is that your capacity to have that creative flow just goes up and up and up. Right. Okay. So when we get stressed, you know, we hear a lot about stress and cortisol, but it isn't just that there's too much of this one kind of hormone in my body. I also am um, squeezing all of my muscles tight up around my neck and shoulders and wherever else. Right. So that it can't, it's almost like I made the, the garbage people go on strike. Is that kind of. Yeah. It's, part, it's like that, but okay. it's also like your, your body actually has this, these mechanisms to slow down the flow for rest, digest, repair, sleep. Like if any of these things are, are slowed down in you, you're spending too much time with runaway stress and you're not giving yourself enough time to unwind in between. And it's that unwind time in between that allows rest to happen, that allows digestion to happen, that allows blood flow to reach your brain and your digestive system and the, you know, the parts of your body that aren't involved with fight or flight or freeze or fawn, you know, because right. freeze is like, it's a very high tension state. It's like you're hunkered down yeah. and freeze is a, freeze is a much more common state in us than we recognize. There's yeah. an awful lot of it in workplaces and schools. It's like, and it, all of these 
stress states have really negative physiological impacts if you're living in them too long. Right. And our culture doesn't have the tools to release trauma. And so we live in these states of, you know, I'm not safe. I have no control. Things are not loving and kind. And, you know, these feelings of fear and, and anger and sadness and embarrassment, you know, they get stuck. They get stuck in the way of issues in our tissues and they block blood and lymph flow as well. Okay. So what was the fourth one? I, I've heard of, you know, uh, fight, flight, and freeze. What's the fourth one? Okay. So hmm, did you it's say called fawn, F-A-W-N. Okay. And, and uh, so if you've read any prison studies or watched any prison movies, there are usually some of the prisoners who identify with the guards. Mm-hmm who become part of the guards teams or buddy, buddy or whatever. And, and those guards, chances are they grew up in a very bully household or neighborhood or something. And they realized that, you know, their, their best way to survival was to reinforce the authority that is so that at least they weren't the target when bad things happen. Okay. So fawning is a a long-term high-stress coping mechanism for those who grow up in really ugly situations. Yeah. And uh, it's it's one, I mean, it's a fairly recent, probably the last 10 years that it's been surfacing as, oh, oh, right, this is is a major stress response too. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of come along with the understanding of the vagus nerve. Um, the, the dorsal part of the vagus nerve and the, the, the frontal arms of the vagus nerve have different roles and they sort of take us through different states, uh, states of excitation and relaxation. So, you know, when you're really, um, and pardon me if this isn't the appropriate place to, to say this, but when you're, when you're sexually excited, <clears throat> there's a state of, you know, hyper alertness and relaxation. And the vagal nerve is what allows that to happen. Oh, but if you're okay. in too high, high a state of stress, you can't get into that, you know, juicy flow state of, Ooh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so um, it's, uh, you know, vagal nerve, polyvagal theory is what it's called. If you want to go fishing on it, Stephen Porges has done a lot of the, a lot of the research on it, but it's, it's starting to really get out there. Yeah. But um you know, it has big implications for your lymphatic flow and for your brain function and your creativity. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm beginning to kind of put all these pieces together. So uh, earlier, just, just a minute ago, you were talking about um, that, uh, you know, we, we need some rest in between things. So we're talking about that we need uh, rest once a day you know, like good, solid, long period of rest, but we sleep, but we also need rest in between. uh, Like if I have, I found myself earlier this week um, in a meeting that I was not happy with. Um, And even though it was a zoom meeting, now I get what you're saying about the freeze response because it was only a 22 minute meeting. Like, cause I looked at my watch in 22 minutes, I went from being um, from feeling perfectly fine and great and life is good to by the time I walked away from my computer, my shoulders were killing me. I had a headache. I just felt like my whole body was a big fist. And I'm like, oh, that's a freeze response. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so we and- need rests in between these different kinds of activities that might be um, uh, inspiring some of these responses in us. And, you know, when we've been in a situation where we have that kind of response, you know, if it, if it happens with any frequency in your life, there are kind of two factors that feed into going into a freeze response. Number one, it's issues in your own tissues that have taken on old survival patterns and that are stuck in the past. It's like you get triggered. It's like this past experience of ooh comes up and you can't respond to what's happening in the moment effectively because you're so hunkered down. Yeah. So it, there's this unpacking of, okay, where is that stress of being held and what's the story in there? And it's, it's called somatic trauma release. And it's something that I've gotten very good at because I have to support a lot of people in it if they want to 
heal from autism because yeah. trauma is a major part of, of autism challenges. And it's something that the more of it I clean up, the more my own function climbs and the more my own health can repair. Interesting. Now, the other piece is identifying, okay, what was it in that interaction that triggered me? Like, what was the piece that, that traumatized me? And so what is that poor health in social interaction that's going on? And what are the, what are the communication interventions that can downregulate stress in the social system so that that meeting stops being a competition, you know, one person on top hammering the other down and instead becomes a, we're in all in this together. And, you know, how can we get that creativity and flow and synergy happening? Because it's when synergy happens that you get the absolute best yeah. responses to any kind of challenge. Yeah. And so there are, there, there's learning social skills for diffusing, um, you know, diffusing vicious circle circumstances to put it. Um, there's a woman named Jean Robertson who, who's done work on what she calls living room context. And it's the, um, the upstart collaboratory, if you want to look it up, but she's got the vicious circle and the ben uh, not benign circle, the collaboratory circle is what she's calling it now. And the vicious circle is competition and the panic button and, and, you know, only one person can be on top and everybody else is underneath and, 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 you know, everything is about, you know, who's going to be top dog. And it tends to be really draining and it tends to send us into traumatized states, yeah. which is not when we're most effective. Yeah. And the other side is the collaborative circle, which says, you know, we don't really know if there, what anything is, there is no real right or wrong because it's different for different people, depending on what view you, you, what perspective you have on the situation. And, and, um, you know, it's all a learning journey. It's not, it's not a test. And, <laughs> and it, you know, so when you can sort of start shifting every communication that you have into collaborative circle, instead of the vicious circle, then you're also helping to diffuse societal trauma. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You're just reminding me, I had a conversation with another writer um, again earlier this week, can't remember the day. And uh, we were talking about um, uh, our writing and within our writing business, you know, um, self-publishing and the things that you have to do for self-publishing, which is a lot of social media. And she's like, I just don't know if I want to publish anymore because Social media has just gotten so um, vicious. vicious. Yeah. And I'm thinking so too often we're allowing our social media then to be, uh, I forget the names of the circles. It's um, it's the top dog syndrome circle versus the collaborative circle. Mm -hmm. So the there's the vicious circle and the collaborative circle. Vicious, right. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I have to say there's, there's nothing that uh, makes me want to get off my computer faster than a Twitter war. I'm like, please stop fighting. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, so the interesting thing is, um, and this is something I learned, uh, I learned as a teenager. Um, you know, I used to love walking along railroad tracks and balancing on one of the tracks because it's something that took me into a real flow state and creativity just, you know, because most of your attention is on staying balanced and moving and none of it's on any. So it's a, it's a really good holiday for even a short period of time. But the thing is that where the railroad tracks go also tends to be where people who, who live on the edges hang out more. Right. And so, you know, you'd find a lot of people who were, who were kind of living rough and some of them would be, would be drunk. Some of them would be on a drug trip and a lot of them wouldn't have good social behaviors. And, you know, if I walked along those tracks and I went into fear, I was harassed and criticized and all of this. But if, if on the other hand, I stayed in a state of, you know, that open stranger state and you go to a new place and you're kind of in wonder and awe and curiosity and amazement. And if I went into that state, I would respond to all the good stuff and make them laugh. 
and and any bad stuff that came my way, I'd, I'd kind of go, oh, come on. Did you say that to your little sister? <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I just, I just respond in a very caring way, not in a, you know, shut down, you know, put up walls way. Right. And it would completely melt any challenge there. And we'd have this lovely interaction and I'd explain, I got to keep moving because I just really need to get this stress out of my body and, yeah. and off I'd go. And then we'd wave when I was on my way back. And, and But what it did was it allowed me to move through circumstances that some people would have considered very dangerous. Right. But for me, because... Because the circumstances I had lived through had very early taught me what what prompts people to be negative and vicious and what prompts people to be open and kind. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, open and kind. How do I create open and kind? And just finding every little mechanism I could. Because when you grow up with autism, you don't experience a lot of open and kind. You experience a lot of criticism, a lot of judgment a lot of, you know, you're the problem. And, and if you want to experience a world where it's kind and you're not the problem, you've got to learn the social mechanisms that make people not be afraid. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Wow. Okay. I've had so many like um, memories of different situations running through my mind right now going, oh, I can totally see how this makes sense. Oh my gosh. Okay. This has been like an awesome learning experience in so many ways. I so appreciate you. Um, why don't we um, kind of wrap up with, with um, again, bringing it back to writing. So what kind of writing do you do and how do you help yourself to be the most creative? And then we should tell people also like, where can they find you online and different things that you've written. But so tell us a little bit about your, your writing and creativity experience personally. Okay. So um I started writing uh, because I recognized that my writing can reach people who could never show up in a library talk or conference that I speak at. And, and there was a sense of, I need to get this information out there on where does autism come from? What is causing it? How do we, how do we, how do we downregulate all of these, there are five things that cause inflammation. How do we get that inflammation down? How do we diffuse these five things that are causing the inflammation over time? You know, all of these pieces, because the reality is those people who are medical professionals who turn autism around, like the really serious cases that don't just resolve with lifestyle changes, those those people are like, if you can turn autism around, you can turn anything around because autism is everything. Oh, right. Only happening so young at life in life that nobody knows what that person is like without all of the illness weighing right. them down. And so, um, you know, I, I do guides, I do cheat sheets, I do reports, I do checklists, I do um, uh, ebooks, uh, and and reports. I do a lot of report writing because reports are are taking a particular thing like the thyroid. What does the thyroid have to do with autism? And, and if you're seeing, what symptoms are you seeing? And if they relate to these things, chances are the mom had thyroid issues, the dad might have also. And, and so it's the whole family that does these interventions and then gets the thyroid working optimally and the, the autism symptoms go down. Wow. But you've got it, you've got to kind of understand the whole system to then recognize, oh, thyroid's a part of it. And, and so what I do is, um, what I do is write a lot of stuff about, you know, particular foods and autism, um, particular beverages and autism, particular, um, uh, movement maybe, or yeah, movement and autism. Um, I've got a, an ebook up on Amazon. That's about, um, you know, if you, if, how do you want, how do you get kids to function well in a classroom? Right. Because I've done a bunch of um, PD professional development trainings for teachers. And this is kind of the, the questions that they had afterwards that 
you know, I didn't have time to answer. And I'm like, write them down on cards, give them to me. I'll write you an ebook. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I've done no promotion and that ebook just keeps selling. So I'm just leaving it up there. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So obviously um, you practice what you preach. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. Okay. Yeah. This is really, really interesting. Um, I knew about the, uh, and I want to say, I'm going to say it wrong because it's not a word I say all the time. Um, the uh, webbing that connects the two halves of your brain is the corpus callosum. The corpus callosum. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was close. It was close. Very close. <laughs> so um, because, um, tell me if I understood everything that you just said in the, in the last half hour or so. Um because that's what connects our side of both sides of the brain to help us to have maximum brain uh, impact or ability, which is what gets us into creative flow. And that's why the lymph is so important. We need to make sure that everything is clean and clear and that nutrients are coming in and trash is being taken away. And that stress isn't getting high because stress cuts down the blood flow to the corpus callosum and cuts <sighs> off the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So it's really why? only the, the reptile brain that's getting fed with blood when you go into fight or flight, which is why soldiers are trained and trained and trained under high states of stress so that their, their go-to is their body memory because that's right. reptile brain. Right. Well, body memory isn't creative. Like it's not coming up with problem solving in the middle of, you know, major stressful situations. It's having done all that thinking ahead of time, having done all the prep and training so you can respond in an appropriate fashion when the crisis hits. Right. But if you want anything other than your reptile brain functioning, you've got to keep getting out of stress states so that the blood flow and the lymph flow can actually be feeding the corpus callosum so the two halves of the brain talk to each other and feeding the frontal cortex and particularly the prefrontal cortex. Right. Okay. So that explains why people like me and not everybody uh, that I know who's a professional writer says this, but um, when I'm stressed, I just cannot write uh, fiction. I can write other things, but I can't write fiction. I can't come up with the new ideas and get it to come out right. Everybody sounds bitter and angry and... <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, I need to work on something else right now because <laughs> this is not going to be a very uh, romantic or comedic romantic comedy. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're going to have so much fun digging into Gene Robertson's stuff about communication. Cause now every time you have one of those dialogues that you're writing, you're going to be like, oh, they're in the vicious circle and you're going to go look and you're going to go, right, right. Got to do these things to come yeah. back into the collaborative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to be like, what are they eating? What have they been eating for the last few months? <laughs> Oh, Jackie, this was so interesting. I, I'm sure that, um, uh, well, first of all, I'm sure that not everybody is as you know nerdy as I am and in as much as the things that I find so interesting. But this is like interesting in a super helpful way to any writer and nerdy people like me. It's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so where yeah. can people find you? Do you have a website? So I have a website. It's, it's thrivewithautism.ca. And I, I will forever regret not, not leaping on the .com because somebody, somebody scooped it about four years after I got the .ca and, and um, they get a lot of my traffic. Oh, no. <laughs> but I've also got a presence on Quorum. If you look up Jackie McMillan, um, if, if you, yeah, if you search on Quora, Quora.com, I've answered a lot of autism questions there. And, um, and then the other place you can find me is Facebook. If uh, I have a fan page called thrive with autism as well, okay. and that'll just, that'll just, you know, find you will help you find me and ask questions and join, join in and whatever. Excellent. And it sounds like, um, I mean, I was listening to you as someone who, as far as I know, I mean, I don't know of any uh, health issues that I have that are causing, you know, other health issues, but I'm thinking I'm still getting a huge amount of helpful information. So your, your websites and your information is not necessarily just with people who are dealing with autism. This can be helpful information for anyone who just wants to see additional ways to improve their health. Yeah, exactly. You know, 
right now we're living in ways that are causing runaway inflammation. So all of us are having inflammatory problems. You know, we're having nail problems. We're having tooth problems. We're having sight from hear, hearing, you know, chronic infection problems. We're having arthritis. We're having other autoimmune diseases. We're having cancers. We're having brain challenges. We're having learning challenges. We're having children who are getting cancers and cancers are going up like anyway. Yeah. All of that is because we're on, in a high state of inflammation. And the highest inflammation families are the ones who tend to have kids with autism. So the whole family benefits. So, you know, I'm kind of tracking a lot of the inflammation research. And so it's, yeah, it's useful for anyone, but, but the people I mostly help are the people who have kind of really gone into the deep end of inflammatory problems. Yeah. Oh, this is great. I'm so excited because I know um, a lot of writers who uh, have children with autism and maybe they know a lot of this. Maybe there's something that you said that they don't know and that can help them. So, yay. Yeah. Well, if there's a way I can help, I will. There's a, there's a, you know, um, there's a free 20 minute autism turnaround session that you can book from my website. You just click on the button. It'll take you to my calendar. And, and, you know, if, if that time is like a nightmare for you, if it's in the middle of the night, actually write that in the comments section and say, I'd really prefer, you know, this time of day instead, I'll get back to you. And you'll like, just by signing up, you give me your email and we'll figure out a time. Cause I really like, there are people from, you know, Malaysia and I'm in Eastern time, North America. So it's, you know, how do I make this work for people? Excellent. Oh, that's so great. So just to be clear, it's thrivewithautism.ca as in if people are trying to remember, how am I going to remember that? It's uh, it's for Canada. I'm a Canadian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, hopefully that'll help people to remember if they get to a site that's .com and they're like, that does not look like or sound like the person that I was listening to. Yes. Go to .ca. <laughs> Awesome. Katie, thank you. This has been so much fun. I love hanging out with you. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so geeky, but I love hanging out with you. You have so much information. I'm like, we could just keep on going with this. <laughs> we could. <laughs> oh, really? Thanks again. We really appreciate you spending the time. And I'm sure that people are in the audience going, this is going to be so helpful. So thank yeah. you. Well, just in terms of last words, I really want to say, if, if there's anything you remember about this, it's take some time out to play and, and make it physical play. Because the more play you've got, the more down-regulated your stress is, the more your creativity is going to go up. 